It's difficult to be a technology leader. Here at the podcast, we spend our time making it easier for you. And we've gone even farther on this mission than just the podcast. Our goal this year is to help 100,000 technologists level up as leaders with LeaderBits. This could be as simple as you helping level someone else up on your team, you acting as the mentor, or maybe you're a team leader and you're looking to level up into a VP or director role. We are here for you at leaderbits.io to help you grow as a technology leader. Visit us and ask us all the questions that you have at leaderbits.io. Now get excited because today we are talking to Ed, the CTO of Software Design Solutions, and we discuss finding people strong enough to tell you to step away, lessons learned going through the acquisition process, and creating an inviting culture where people want to come work. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. I like that you're a founder. I'm a founder as well. We're actually, a company came out of the podcast. So it's, it's tough though. Like it's not easy to do the founder thing. No, no. And there, there is, there's these levels of where you, after you break over this level, now you have kind of, kind of have free sailing until you get to that next level of, and maybe that's, you know, certainly hiring your first full-time permanent employee. And yes. then of course, going to the whole benefits and HR and all of that then is another level. Of, uh, of, of founder angst that you go through. Yeah, there, we, we tend to be getting on that. I think we have the, like, the latest hire starting today, actually, at like three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like people are starting to ask about benefits and people are starting to ask about these other things where before we were just like, get someone on board who's like super culture fit and who has the great skills and like, let's just solve this tough problem together. And it's like three or four of us sitting there at a table every day. Mm-hmm. And now we have like offices. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. We went through this same thing and, you know, and, and uh, honestly, our first couple of hires were folks that we found that could manage to get their own benefits. Either they were provided by their spouse or they were, you know, they were able to go get their own private uh, health insurance. But then once, you know, we actually lost a hire we really wanted to have because we didn't have a full benefit set. They look, I just can't do this. I have to be at a real company. And so I, you know, I turned to my, my wife, who was a co-founder and said, look, we're going to have to be a real company <laughs> and go and go get these benefits. And so, uh, and then, you know, she had this background so that she could come in and do all of the HR and everything. Uh, but, you know, having a, uh, we have a, a tech council here in Pittsburgh that we went through. And they were able to help us as a small, at the time, four or five person company, we're now 20, go get full up, you know, 401ks and health benefits and dental and vision and all these things that, you know, people with a real job expect. Yeah. And it's amazing though now, because your company, you said, how old is it? 15 plus years old? Yes. Yes. So you didn't have like the... Um... I've been looking at some of the HR softwares now. It's now it's like your HR person's like a SaaS app. It's yeah, like, yeah. There's like Gusto and then, I don't know, that name just stuck with me for some reason. Uh, have you heard of them? I have not. I've yeah. not heard of them. I'll have to go look them up. Yeah, I was searching for like, what do you do? Like, uh, I literally Googled, what are benefits? <laughs> like, what a founder problem, right? Like. Yeah. It's exactly it. I mean, you, you, you get yourself into so many of these things where, well, uh, the company I use, because I, I was at two Fortune 500s before this. Oh, wow. So of course, there were entire departments to handle that sort of thing. 
right? You, you know, you got your benefits packet and it was this shiny glossy packet and it told you what your benefits were. Well, I, I realize now that behind all that, there's some people putting all that together and now yeah. that has to be us, right? But you're right nowadays with all of this as uh, web-based, SaaS-based and, and uh, you know, your, your, your employees can, if you want them to, they can work for that company and just report to you if you really want to do that. Um, you know, we have, you know, we've grown through all of that. This and and you know, one of the one of the most interesting things that I found was, you know, that as we grew and got more and more people and more and more things, now that starts to get a that starts to eat into your time about what are you going to do? What am what am I going to spend my time adding value? Um, and you start to think, okay, where am I? What pieces of this do I have to be spending time on? What pieces shouldn't I be spending time on? I should trust someone else to go do. Um, I guess as founders, we all have, you know, this little control issue. <laughs> well, it's weird because we're constantly spinning up, we're creating new processes and then finding individuals to take them over. Right. And if we're sticking around in a process too long, it's like, it's a problem. So yeah, we're, we're constantly detaching from our babies. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I have to find people who are strong enough to tell me to step away. Yep. <laughs> got this, you know, that they can say, look, I know that you, that you started this, but now I've got this piece. Trust me to take this and, and do the right thing with it. You yeah. Know? The thing I'm happy, the thing I'm not letting go of right now. And it's also here. It's a, it's a dance too, because we'll sit, th we'll sit here. You and I will talk about this advice. We have a huge audience and what they'll, and everyone takes things differently. If you've ever written an article and posted it online, right. people get the weirdest things from what you write. Right. But um, when it's positive, it's great. So like when we're talking about this, there's also a delicate balance between how much time you need to spend raising that process and refining it and hardening it prior mm -hmm. to letting it go. Right, right. Absolutely. I mean, because, you know, it can't, you know, perfect is the enemy of good there. You know, as you start down this path, you just have to say, look, you know, I have other things that have to get done. So I can, I can develop the world's best, you know, uh, uh, you know a mixture of healthcare, long-term disability, short-term, or I can just pick this package that everybody's going to be happy with and move on um, and, and focus on, you know, one of the biggest things that, that I'm sure that, that you folks focus on as well is culture, making yeah. sure that this is a place that people want to come to. And, you know, as uh, as a small company, we're not going to have, you know, a, a, a coffee barista ready to serve you and a, and a, and a, and a four-star chef, you know, curbing, carving up the roast beef for, for lunch. But at the same, and, and down the street, there are companies that have that. And so we have to give something different. We have to say, look, we have a culture here that, you know, we start by, you know, people have fairly nice spacious offices and four monitors and things that they might not get at those other places. Whereas, uh, you know, they might not have the barista, but they've got a 12 by 12 office, often private, you know, right. some, some nice space to call their own. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause it's, you don't want to leave your friends either. Right? right. Like if you make some cool friends at work, like you don't want to, I remember some of the, the best projects I've had, I've built a lot of applications. So my background's actually building, uh, applications and software for companies. And then I would either get a part of it or just do a contract work. Right. Um, so I had like an agency where we would do that. And, and so that's, that's a lot of my background. And then here and there, I got actually paired off into the company. So I'd build it for them and then like I'd join it if it starts getting legs and yeah. Right. But um, that, that explains why I was so bad with like the HR stuff. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, the, the best projects were the projects 
that like I didn't want to leave the people like it was just so energizing when you're around great people and I was last Friday I was in uh, Tampa which is like an hour north of us and I was listening to a guy named Tony Benedetto uh, talk about how he grew his company from zero to 175 million and yeah and I mean it took him 18 years so like it's it's I believe it, right? <laughs> like, um, it's very believable. I don't like it when I hear, oh, 175 million in 18 months, like 18 years. Like, not right. only is that amazing, but it's like, look at that persistence. Like, it's admirable. But he he talked about the whole talk was passion and culture. The thing that made all the difference, he accredits like all his success to to having great people. It's absolutely the case. I mean, when people want to, when the people want to come in and they're excited, excited about the next project and they're not looking to get off the project that they're on because they're like, Oh, I just want to see this thing through. You know, I want to, I want to drive this thing to completion. I want to see it. We go out there and I want to see customers using it and giving us feedback, good or bad. <laughs> and let's go, you know, let's go make this, uh, let's go make this happen with customers. You know, we do everything we do pretty much is, uh, is, is contract for hire. It's, it's, you know, it's deliverable to prod to projects within another company. Um, but at the same time, these people here uh, have an ownership piece of that in terms of in terms of seeing it through and 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 making the customer successful. So you're primarily embedded systems design, right? Yeah, yeah. And then what field have you sort of gravitated towards? Like, do you do a lot of medical projects or automation? What? So we do a lot of uh, a lot of what used to be called uh, machine to machine, but now is called uh, Internet of Things. And so we're doing a lot of machine communication. Uh, we're doing uh, in, in the domains, we do a little bit of medical, we do a lot of industrial. Mm-hmm. And so that's, uh, that's you know, um, industrial control, it might be sensing, it might be transportation industrial. Um, we do some work in oil and gas and also in uh, retail and restaurant. And so really anywhere where there's uh, machinery that you can add sensors to and make the machinery more efficient. Um, you know, is, is where that we've started to, you know, we've taken the work that we used to know how to do in deep embedded and connected that to cloud. Um, and that really led to uh, our acquisition two years ago was, uh, was we were doing a lot of embedded work and a little bit of cloud work. And there was a, there was a company applied visions and their owner kind of looked at these two companies and said, Oh, I've got a cloud based company in long Island. And here's an embedded system company in Pittsburgh. He was real excited about Pittsburgh because of the story that Pittsburgh has had over the last several years of its growth in tech. And he said, I was you know, thinking about a Pittsburgh office, but here's a Pittsburgh company that might make a good, uh, might make a good synergistic match with my company. And so we brought, you know, we brought those two companies together. And so now SDS and, and Applied Visions kind of joins forces on a number of projects where we'll do the embedded side of it. They'll do the cloud side of it, mobile, all of that. That's amazing. So you have experience in this M&A space. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, this is, um, I mentioned the, the, the early on in, when we were talking earlier that you know, this is uh, the fourth acquisition I've been part of, kind of on the, on the buy or sell side. Two on the buy side, two on the sell side. And um, that's because uh, I started at a little startup out of Carnegie Mellon University that was, uh, that was bought. And so I got to experience the sell side there, bought by Texas Instruments. Ooh, and, uh, that's a nice yeah. buy. So it's, it's a, a that's it's a cool a, buy. Yeah, right? it was a large. It was you know it was you know a um, small group of 
30, 40 engineers and some marketing folks building compilers for digital signal processors. And I those, love, I love it. those folks uh, got scooped up by Texas Instruments, who was huge into digital signal processing at the time. This was, you know, early 90s. So early uh, 90s. You yeah, mid 90s, I guess that would be, yeah. Mid early 90s, you'd see me sitting in an office at a computer uh, programming some basic code. And my, my father was doing this to keep me busy, whether he's having me like uh, move items around in memory or showing me table. Oh, what was that? I, I've lost it because it's been 27 years. I'm, I'm in my early 30s now, but right. you'd have me searching for things in, inside a disk partition. Like it was crazy, this, nice. this stuff. And, uh, and, and he was embedded systems design. He got his experience in the Air Force and then he came out and they invented these... Um, he was like the number three hire at this company that ended up having like thousands plus people going public, but they invented these screens that go inside golf carts. So like they had GPS units in them. They were okay. screens. They looked like little tab. Like if you were to look at one and hold it, it looked, it felt like a tablet, but it was like in 90, you know, two 93 <laughs> and they had their own GPS chips in them with signals and they would go to the satellite and pay for the satellite time or whatever it was. But it, it was just unbelievable. What, how advanced that technology was then. Right, right. And nowadays, you know, you just pull up your phone and that's the same, yeah. same technology. But back then, that was a large leap at the time uh, oh, to yeah. do all of that in that kind of technology. Had some, that probably had some DSPs in it. <laughs> so what, what role was your role during the first acquisition? Were you just a team member? Uh, I was, I was a, 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 a technical lead during that acquisition. And then after joining TI, I went on the buy side because TI went on this buying binge. Um, after buying uh, us, our, our little company was called Tartan Laboratories. Um, they were in this acquisition, they were in this acquisition phase of buying small companies in the DSP software space. And so I joined a team of, uh, of, of folks that went around and analyzed companies for acquisition. And so oh, I was basically amazing. doing the, you know, the technical due diligence. There were all kinds of business people doing the business side of due diligence. I was doing the technical due diligence of, Let's say we went and bought this company. What would we do with the technology? How would we take it and bring it in and integrate it with, uh, with you know, the technology that we currently have? And of course, the, the business folks don't look at that side of the integration problem. They just look at the, you know, they just look at the numbers or the dollars and say, oh, they have these customers and maybe we want those customers. But at the same time, you might have 30 engineers with a small company culture and you're going to ask them to go join a Fortune 500 culture <laughs> like yeah. we just had. You know, we had folks, you know, you know, walking around the, walk around the office, pushing their bicycle to their cube. And, you know, and, and, you know, then we get the manual from, from Texas Instruments that said, well, if you're this level of pay grade, you should have these size walls and this size <laughs> chair. And you, know, <laughs> you should have this computer and that monitor. And we're like, what? You know, this is, this is not something, you know, unfortunately we were, you know, 1200 miles away from the main office. And so, you know, we had some leeway there to do, to keep our local culture, right? There was a, a large push at that time, not to mess too much with local culture as we, uh, as we did these acquisitions. So during that time, we acquired two more companies. Um, and so I got to watch those folks go through the same uh, transition process that we had just gone through uh, two years earlier. Um, and we, we learned some things. I mean, I think I, I thinking back, I should have written a, a memoir during that time of the, <laughs> of the pluses and minuses of, uh, of how to do those kind of acquisitions. Okay. So let, 
let's talk back. All right, you're, you're a technical lead and you get acquired. Okay. And this happens. Companies get acquired all the time. I actually had a conversation about two or three months ago, um, or I won't mention the person's name, but uh, they, he was a team lead, a team of 40 to 60. Uh, company got acquired by a foreign company so they could have a presence in the U.S. Uh, in the payments space. And, you know, they put a freeze on everything. And what happened was his talent got stripped because, because they were in make, quote unquote maintenance mode, no building new projects. Everyone's on salary, but they can't do anything. It's like you can review old, like you can't do anything. You can't approve right. a project. And so what happened was they instantly lost, you know, a third of their staff essentially overnight from the freeze and they were still going to get paid. Right. But it was just the creativity loss and the feeling of getting acquired by the bigger company and getting shut down. Um, so you didn't experience that something like that though, did you? We didn't because we were in, um, uh, by this time, uh, we're now into the late '90s, and this is the go-go late '90s. And I don't know yeah. if you know, pre-crash. I don't know if you remember. Yes, pre-crash. <laughs> so this is pre-crash, and so things are going crazy. And there's, you know, um, this is at the time when when uh, TI was very focused on on these kinds of these kinds of processors, these kinds of tools, and really at the 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 challenge here was to bring people from multiple companies that had multiple roadmaps before. Each of these companies, by the way, were um, third-party partners with the company previously, but they had their own roadmaps, their own product roadmaps about what they thought was the best thing to do next. And so my role, um, and, I, and, and one of the interesting things, a uh, little story about working for a large company, I was not allowed to put engineer on my, on my business card because uh, in Texas, to put engineer on your business card, you have to be a, a PE. Yeah. Um, and so there are no software PEs. And so we were told to make up a title. Um, at, the, at the time, Bill Gates had just turned chief software architect. And so that's what I put on my business card. And so that's what people started calling me. So I just started flying around to the different sites that we had acquired, um, one on the West Coast, one in, one in Canada, here in Pittsburgh. And um, basically, trying to herd the cats, trying to organize, what are we doing with, with these roadmaps? You guys have this product roadmap here. It's great, but we need to mesh it with what people are doing on the hardware side. We need to mesh it with what other people are doing on their, their other software side. Let's get these meetings together. And so that was uh, the next four or five years of my life was making sure that those pieces got, uh, got aligned. Um, and that was, you know, that fit well with the, with the title that I picked. Yeah, and it wasn't as easy as like slacking back and forth with each other. No, no, <laughs> no. I love Slack. Slack would have been a great thing to have at that time. Um, but, and, but at least it wasn't so old, old company that it wasn't memos. And so, you know, it was, you know, we would often, we would often uh, uh, you know, once a month we would get together, try and get together face-to-face -to -face because, you know, you're still in this, in this phase where, these people are new to you and you're trying to bring people together and get them to trust each other. And you're and you know, they're, they're all very highly experienced, high, you know, high energy people. Right. And you don't want them to stall. You know what I mean? You don't want them to say, Oh, you know, this is taking too long. I'm just going to give up or we're going to go do this side thing and show them when it's done. 
Right. <laughs> you know, and you want to you want to have everybody pulling together because I mean we had a you know, we had a team prior to the acquisition. Their team was you know probably counted in a couple dozen. All of a sudden, we have well over a hundred people that we can apply to a software problem. Um, it's amazing. And now we you know have a hundred people to apply to a software problem, which is a, a whole other set of a whole other set of organizational challenges, right? So if you were to take one, I guess, nugget from the first transition uh, or acquisition when you were a technical lead and TI bought you, what was the big shiny experience that you walked away? If you were to say, I learned one thing from, from this part of my life, right? What, what, what advice is that? Certainly one of the biggest things I think is don't try and fix things that are already working. You know what I mean? When, you know, uh, and that means that sometimes you're going to change your plans. I mean, you, 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 you made this acquisition with some thought in mind about what you're going to do with this, with this company you just acquired. Um, it may not work out that way. You have to be really, really flexible. Um, because quite honestly, the acquisition of my company wasn't that way. That was their first acquisition and, and it was like, okay, we're just going to, we just, we just hired basically 30 people. <laughs> Let's have them follow our way. And it didn't, we didn't get out of it as much as we could have. Um, and the, the second and third acquisitions that were made, we, we, do, we approached it in a much different way. We said, okay, let's go, let's go there. Let's see what they have. Let's figure out what their roadmaps are. Let's figure out if we need to alter our plans to fit their roadmaps. Because, you know, you don't always get to see the full picture during acquisition. Right. <laughs> Your diligence is not a 100% process. So let's go see. And, 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 and maybe you only talk, you get to talk to the first layer of, of management. Let's go talk to the, to, the, 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 to the real working engineers and figure out what they're passionate about and get them involved in what we're passionate about or vice versa. Maybe we turn, change, you know, change our perspective. And... Um, that really worked well with the fourth acquisition, which is uh, Applied Visions apply, uh, acquiring SDS, because we have a different kind of set of customers. Um, you know, folks that that that, that uh, purchase cloud applications are kind of in a different ballgame than your average industrial company that has never done software before. And they're moving from a non-programmable control system, maybe something that uses PLCs or ladder logic, and they're moving to a full up programmable, teaching them about software, teaching them about security, um, teaching them about the capabilities that they could have and incremental approach in doing those kind of things. And, and uh, you know, certainly we've got, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, education about how to deal with larger customers. He's got a lot of education about how to deal with much smaller customers. So it worked well. Yeah, it certainly has. Now, I mean, how did you meet? How did you meet this individual? So um, we were uh, we actually put the company on the market, and uh, we were introduced. And so that that you know. I, I, you know, it wasn't one of the kind of thing where I ran into them at a, you know, yeah. at, a, at, a, at a bar somewhere or something like that. It was, it was <laughs> you know, we were brought together by a third party and that, yeah. you know, that ended up working very well. And it wasn't the first introduction that was made to us I mean, we walked away from others because um, the, the fit just wasn't there. Um, you know, uh, it was about um, two and a half years ago, almost three years ago, 
where we decided, you know what, the growth here was good, and we were at a we were at a ten twelve kind of uh, kind of uh, person count uh, head head count uh, for a long time, and um, quite honestly, it wasn't until after the acquisition that I realized why we over fifteen years bumped up against twelve people and went down, bumped up against twelve people, went down, bumped up against twelve people, went down. It was you me. take some ownership of that. Yep. There me. you go. I love it. it. Me. You got to. You got to. Because I had my fingers in every project and I was a limiting factor. So I was a limiting factor having my fingers in every project. I, 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 I love you so much right now. <laughs> <laughs> because not only did you realize that you, you paid the experience cost of it, right? So it's yeah. like, and then the fact that you're sharing this is just, it's amazingly genuine and it'll keep other people from preventing the same mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't until, uh, you know, I'd like to have said I, I, I realized the mistake and then corrected it and did the, it wasn't until after the acquisition that I realized, wow why are we at 20 some people now and how can that work? Well, it's because there are projects going on here that I know what they're doing, but I don't write any of that code. Yeah. When we were at 12 people, I was in every project writing code. Oh, That's man. Not, I mean, it's fun. It's yeah. awful fun. <laughs> but it does mean that now I have an engineering manager who's a certified agile coach and a certified security guy. And so he manages the day to day of these projects. And I can focus on things like understanding technology, things like presenting at conferences, things like talking with you where I can learn things. Uh, just watching the, the several, uh, several episodes on your site, I've already learned some things and I can spend more time doing that and growing, growing my ability to help this, this place more than writing code. I realized, you know, you know uh, my wife who runs, the, who runs the accounting side of SDS is awesome with Excel and all of the and, and all of the surrounding tools and she was able to point out to me look you're too expensive to write code yeah <laughs> shouldn't be writing code we have people that can write code albeit better than you but certainly less expensive than you so you've got to stop and so you've got to go do things like talk with customers you have to be the guy that goes and sells our capabilities not cold calling which I'm no good at I don't think anybody's good at cold calling <laughs> <laughs> right. But that second meeting, that meeting where a customer's like, okay, yeah, I want to talk with you guys to figure out if you're for real. Yeah. Um, that's a meeting I love to do. Um, and, uh, and I used to do those. Uh, but after I got 12 people's worth of work here, I would be so consumed writing code in four or five different projects that I would stop going out and doing that new business development that filling the pipeline that gets us from 12 to 14 to 16 to 20, oh, um, yeah. which is where we're at now. So, I mean, yeah. if, that, if there's one piece of advice I would say for founders is figure out a way to get out of that. Um, figure out a way to take a few things that you do, even if you like doing them and hand them off so that you can spread, you know, spread wider. I noticed that at the big companies, or at least let's just say companies with like 30 people, right? The individual that's going around speaking, right? That's going around doing these things. that's spending time with the customers. It's closing the big deals. They almost always have uh, the craft of whatever the work is being done because they started out by doing the work. And then they had, they did the work so well that they attracted enough people to them that they now have to 
spend time away from doing the work in order just to talk to the people that want their level of quality. And that for me, when I, I realized that uh, probably in my mid, about, about seven years ago, my early 20s, mid 20s, and I said, all right, I keep building these basic apps and then finding teams and then moving on. And then if I'm going to do an agency, uh, I have to, you know, be able to spend time with this person writing me a six-figure check. Right. And they want to know how the project's going every week. And if I wrote someone a six-figure check, I would want the same thing. Right. And, uh, and then they wanted me, not a project manager, right? Mm -hmm. So I found somebody that, could, that I trusted and that had enough quality of my quality that I could sign my name to it and then you know, keep tabs on it. We had style guides and things like that. I'm sure you have that with your code now. Yes. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> now yeah. they've got amazing tools that even like you check it into GitHub or whatever. And it's like, if it's not the style right. guide, it's kicking it back out. Yeah, continuous yeah. integration is a wonderful yeah. thing. It's, it's better than standing in line to run your punch card programming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that old, although I, I have run those. So. Um, I've, so, I've yeah. seen a video of someone right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I've been very fortunate that, you know, my career has spanned the level of technology that has spanned. You know, uh, my first computer, you said you were sitting down at a basic uh, computer. Mine was in, you know, early high school, and uh, that was 4K of memory. And it was, you know, and I got a lot done in 4K of memory with BASIC and had a great time with that and fell in love with that. And, uh, and, and as a matter of fact, I still have the, the ad from the newsletter where I published my first advertisement for a program that I wanted to sell. Really? Yep. I sold one copy. That's amazing. You got to take a picture of that, post it on LinkedIn and then tag me in it. I will. I will. Yep. I want to see that. Are you, so are you speaking at any conferences this year? Uh, yeah, next. Uh, actually, I'm getting on a plane this afternoon. Okay. I'm headed to uh, ID TechX. Um, this is a conference in uh, Santa Clara. It seems like uh, there is an IoT conference in Santa Clara pretty much every other week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is an interesting conference because it's a combination. It's IoT. It's also 3D design and flexible, uh, uh, wearable, basically, fabrics with uh, embedded electronics in them. So it's a lot of that kind of broad, uh, broad kind of uh, uh, um, coverage of, of all the technologies. Uh, I'm speaking there on the promise and practice of industrial IoT. Um, and I do a lot, of, a lot of that kind of speaking about, about how to apply IoT, how to get ROI out of IoT. You know, basically as people are, are, are you know, we get a lot of, I think, a lot of C-level kind of, uh, of of managers saying we got to have some IOT in this product. We got to have you know internet connectivity and the mid-level or you know engineering kind of managers are like, well, what does that mean? Where should we go with this? And we're scared of the security aspects of this, and so we really want to be able to you know you know what I say to those folks is start small, pick some prototype kind of project, bring someone in to help you, and let's and and let's build a piece of this. Find some low-hanging fruit. You don't have to IOT every little piece of your system but find something, whether it's predictive maintenance or whether it's efficiency or something that you think you can measure a little better if you had continuous measurement and go for that. Um, I, was, uh, I was at Fog World Congress uh, recently, um, Sensors Expo, um, and so we kind of uh, go back and forth between very detailed uh, specific con conferences like Sensors Expo, which is all about just sensors, um, or a specific um, 
technology like fog-based processing, which is processing not at the cloud, not down at the nodes, but somewhere in the middle, which we feel very passionate about, uh, or these broad conferences like ID TechX. Um, this is the first time I've been to it. it. It should be interesting. It's a very large conference with a lot of uh, a lot of different types of speakers there. And then I like that when when you mentioned all the different things that they'll that'll be there, the fabrics, the IoT, all that great stuff. I like that we're at a point in life right now where there can be so many advancements in so many different fields. It can't even be disseminated to all the people. Like we can't all know what's happening. Before, I remember driving, you know, to Tampa right and this is probably late 90s you know i was in the car with my parents and every other week we'd go up there to see family or something and there'd be a new pentium billboard right <laughs> we've got the three we got the four we got the five like it yes. just kept going up mm -hmm. and up and up and up and i was just like wow but that's the thing that the whole nation would be talking about right right but now it's like we have we're 3d printing hearts and we've got fabrics right. and i just saw a foldable led screen the other day i know yes it is amazing that, and, and um, it used to be that very much like you said, when, when there was an innovation made, it was made in one domain, whether it was, you know, in industrial or automotive or whatever, and it wasn't easily transferred to another domain. Nowadays, you have a sensor and maybe you have the ability to imprint fabric, you know, imprint electronics in a sensor and it can go through the washing machine and that's great. Well, that has a lot of different kind of uses, a lot of uses that people aren't even thinking of yet. You know, and, and I see so many interesting uses of those things, not just for, of course, uh, of health and wellness with exercise clothing and that kind of stuff, but also I saw recently in one of these conferences, someone was doing it for, um, to help people through their rehabilitation after surgery. It would guide them, you know, to say you're doing this exercise correctly, you're not doing this exercise correctly. Or compliance, are you doing the exercises at home that you said you were going to do, or do we need to send you to PT, you know, to do the exercises right. guided, you know, to get you better. Um, or fall detection with the elderly. I mean, I think there's so many of these things where a technology gets, can, can be developed in one place and cost reduced, which is important, because I mean that used to be the goal. That used to be the role of of you know of, of government and military and all of that is to develop these advanced technologies that then you could cost reduce to consumers. But nowadays you can get cost reduction out of other products in, in consumer electronics and then use them in other fields. So it's going the other direction. We're starting to see consumer level electronics getting used in medical instead of the other way around. And then how are you getting to these conferences? So I get a lot of people that ask me about that. Um, are you, do you have a, a team member of yours that's helping submit you PR from like, how do you, how do you get yourself out there? So we, we do have a marketing firm that, that we work with that, uh, that kind of helps me, uh, guides me toward, you know, which conferences might be useful based on the kind of hits we're getting on our website and these kinds of things. But generally I do my own submissions to, in terms of abstracts. Um, we have a fairly specific thing we like to talk about, which is IoT, fog-based processing, uh, kind of the, uh, I like to talk about either a very detailed topic like MQTT and how it works, or a very high-level topic, which would be C-level about, uh, which, is what the, which is what the ID TechX conference is. And that's about, you know, how do you justify the return on investment? And how do you start an IoT project? Um, because I think that that's a, you know, as I mentioned, that's a real 
uh, stumbling block for a lot of companies is they want to do something in IoT, they don't want to fail on a large project. So I say fail on a small project. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> fail uh, on two or three until you get one right. So the next step for you would be to like record these. Do you record them and like post clips of you saying like really cool lines on, on social media? The, uh, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that our, that our marketing agency is saying is, okay, we're getting a lot of effort put into these slide sets and, and presentations and all of these things. We need to reuse this content because that's, you know, that's what they're about. I'm about reusing code. They're about reusing yeah. words, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, this is one opportunity is you know, doing these kinds of, of discussions uh, with folks like Joel. Oh, you know, where we, can, we can point people to them and say, look, you know, we've got this cool, we've got this cool podcast, Modern CTO, go, go view it and go view all the others too. It's crazy. It's like, I, I love the podcast, but I would say 99% of the time I forget people are listening. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm always like, Jake, we, we've got to cut some of that out. Because <laughs> we'll do like real talk too. Like sometimes people will share stuff, and like afterwards we'll be talking. And we're like, yeah, we'll probably we'll probably edit that out. You know, <laughs> we've had acquisition mentions. The, the number of amazing blooper things that we've had to cut out are yeah. it's yeah. it's a lot of fun. But yeah, definitely re reusing those slide decks or uh, you know getting. Do you, you travel with a team member? Um, I sometimes travel with uh, sometimes travel with the owner because yeah. he likes to see you know where his money's being spent, but also on top of that, <laughs> yep. you know, on, on top of that, wants to kind of figure out this space and figure out how best to position us, right? Um, sometimes uh, the, another thing that we do is we send some of our team instead of me. I mean, we, we sent our, 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 our uh, Agile, our certified Agile coach, who's my, who's my engineering manager, to an Agile conference. Um, we'll send him to a security conference. We send some of our embedded engineers to Embedded Systems East. And so, I mean, that's an opportunity for people to get up and get out of the office, go represent the company, learn something new, you know, you know, put aside the code that you're working on for a day or two and go look at some really shiny, cool stuff, right? Come back energized about using shiny, cool stuff in my next project, you know? And I think that's important to, to have people have that opportunity. Oh, it's very important. It also helps with recruiting because yeah. people are going to, they have the skill set. They're paying right. to learn from other smart people. That just takes like 80% of the people out of the equation. <laughs> right. It's like now we've found just the people who are willing to pay to learn and improve from other smart people. And then they have the opportunity after the talks to either share and provide your people with great insight or information and perspectives. And then to build relationships for, you know, future growth hires. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, we, we uh, you know, my goal would be to basically have folks recognize us first from one of these conferences or meet us. So the, the, the best goal would be meet us and say, oh yeah, I saw you at such and such a conference because that's the kind of instant credibility that, that really drives home. These folks are worth talking to. These aren't just folks that knocked on my door and said, hey, can we sell you some, some IOT stuff? <laughs> I love it. It's like Girl Scouts, but for IoT. Exactly. Yes. I'll buy some Thin Mints, though. Yeah. So uh, nice. Uh, Ed, you know, we we made a podcast, man. Right. Nice. I'm excited. Nice. Yeah. I, I, so this is this has been great. I mean, so so I mean, I think that that you know, 
these kinds of discussions, I mean, like I said, I, I, I listen to three, four of the other podcasts and it seems like they all go different places. Yeah. I hope this one went a useful place for you. I, I certainly enjoyed talking. Oh yeah. That, that's what it is. It's about for, it's for us, for our relationship. Right. And then inevitably there's always value. It's just the universe has this weird way of working where like the right person's going to hear this at the right time and it'll provide them value. Yeah. I hope it does. Yeah. I hope it does. And so, if it does, you're on LinkedIn, right? Yes, absolutely. People can yes, reach sir. out to you on LinkedIn. Yep. You find me on LinkedIn. You'll find my speaking events at our at our website, softwaredesignsolutions.com. There you can see all of the slide decks from all the conferences that I that I attend and links to podcasts like this one. Awesome. If you ever need anything from me at all, you have my contact information. Perfect. Just reach yep. out directly. Uh, Jake will be in touch about when we're going to deploy. We'll slice up into these things called micro content clips of you saying great advice. You gave some amazing acquisition insights. That was, thank you so much for that. Cool. And uh, to my knowledge, there's nothing we have to cut. We're good. (laughs) Yeah, I know. There was no acquisition slips on this episode of the Modern Season Podcast. (laughs) No insider stock tips, none of that. (laughs) That, And we'll begin that conversation right now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Let's talk. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, have a safe, safe travel, safe flight. And then if you need anything at all, you just reach out. Great. Thank you so much, Joel. Talk soon, Ed. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to help, please take a moment right now to open up the iTunes app and leave a review of the podcast. If you take a screenshot of the review and text it or email it to a friend who needs to listen to the podcast and then CC me, joel at moderncto.io. If you see me on the email, I'll send you a copy of the Modern CTO book or give you a shout out on the podcast, whichever you prefer. We're trying to get listed on the top 100 for iTunes and I need your help in order to do this.